That's right, you geeks. Welcome into the Echo Screen, the official podcast of the Clan of the Grey Wolf. Uh, official and only, last time I checked. But just, just so you know. Just in case. Yes, yes. Welcome, 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 everybody. Uh, you know, tonight is, is uh, I think it's going to be a really cool show. We've got a new premise for our topic du jour, which I'm pretty excited about. Yep, it's all politics, all the time. All politics, all the time, in case you didn't get enough. Yep. We're those gonna, of us, those, those of our viewers that, that, are, that reside in the United States. We're going to break down every single house race. So settle in. We got 435 to go over. And then we'll do a quick run through the Senate as well. Yes. Um, no, we're not going to do anything political related, <clears throat> I think. Maybe we will. I don't know. I, I, we'll see. I really thought this whole thing through. Uh, but anyway, uh, as always, I am your host, the Commodore. And on the other end of this here video bajigger is Rue. Rue, how are you doing tonight? <clears throat> I was just saying literally a minute ago that I just got my flu shot yesterday. And I'm feeling a little under the weather. But you know what? I'm going to roll through it for you guys. Because I feel... Does that, does that happen every time you get a flu shot? I don't know. My throat's a little scratchy. It's fine. Some people are like, oh, my God, I'm going crazy because of the flu shot and I'm having a bad reaction. I'm like, whatever. Because I'm yeah, a man. I, yes. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm 40. I drive a Dodge Stratus. I drive it. I'm important. Um, and doggone it, people like me. Um, we yeah, so the whole, the whole <laughs> audience. This show sucks. Uh, why did we even tune into this? No, so uh, for those of you that are familiar with the program, welcome back. For those of you that are not familiar with the program, let me run you through what we do here on the Echo Screen Live. The show is broken down into three distinct pieces, the first of which is the T and B, the tids and bits, otherwise known, or I guess in our circles, as the news and notes portion of the program. We will um, discuss a few things that we think are important to you that you should know about We've got a couple things to, to chat with you about tonight. I think you'll, you'll find that section interesting. Then it's on to the second portion of the program, which is the topic du jour. It's the topic of the day. Mm, I'll have that. And uh, tonight, we're going to talk about game changers. Rude, do you want to explain what that means? Because it's, it's a catchy name. But maybe we should talk about what it, it is. It I, I thought it up driving home today, and I'm super proud of it. Uh, so basically... <laughs> Uh, another way to to to, to describe this uh, recurring uh, theme we're going to have on on Echo Screen Live uh, every once in a while is games that change the world. I mean that sounds a little grandiose, which is why we're not calling it that. But basically, games that change the way games are played. You know, <clears throat> obvious ones are things like Super Mario Brothers, Pong, blah 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 blah. Um, and don't spoil the rest of the shows. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, basically, basically things that are had such an impact on the industry that you know we're still feeling the reverberations today. Uh, and the first one, which was chosen by our beloved Commodore, is Grand Theft Auto Three. <laughs> that nice hopping on that cue there. Yeah, I was like. He want he want he wants me to say it. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to talk about Grand Theft Auto Three, and it was the first. You know, we could have chosen a lot of games, like you said, but uh, I think we got a good one in store. I think all of us remember, or all of us that were or, or old enough to remember Grand Theft Auto Three, realize what an impact it had, and uh, I am looking forward to that topic. So that's the topic du jour. That is the second portion of the program. The third part of the program, and the final portion, is 
the question and answer portion of the program where you can ask us questions that we will answer live right here on this here program slash podcast. Um, how do you ask questions, you might ask? Well, how do you, how do you ask questions? Thank you. See, now, now who's missing cues? Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> how hot was it? You can, you can tell we rehearsed this. <laughs> um, if, if, if you couldn't get our, our, our horrible diversions right from the get-go. Anyway, so um, you can ask questions a couple ways. The first of which we've been doing for a while, which is you can tweet to me at It's the Commodore. I thought that's clever. That is me. Super clever. You can just send a tweet out my direction. There it is right there. Or you can go to the chat at clanofthegraywolf.com, click the little chat tab, pop in, say hello to all of your friends also watching the program at the same time. And if you'd like to ask a question there, very simple. Click on my name on the right-hand side, Commodore128, and send me a private message. Yep. IRC. And uh, so a little bit... Uh little bit of a, a you know reminder uh, also that we kind of have to let you know at the beginning of each podcast uh, is that we actually are a podcast now and you can find right. us if you're watching us on YouTube maybe you want to take us on the go you'll find us on iTunes Stitcher uh, any pretty pretty much any Android podcast app of your choice just search for echo screen live and find us so please feel free to subscribe and if you would like Definitely feel free to uh, give us a, a, a positive review or negative, whatever, uh, on uh, on uh, iTunes or Stitcher or what have you. Just, you know. I don't care. I don't care what the, kind of review. Those help us out, and we love you for it. So Yeah, we, we, we do. And uh, it took us a while to become a, a real full-blown podcast, so we're very proud of that fact. Um, with that in mind, let's move on to the T&B, otherwise known as the News and Notes and the Tids and Bits. Yes. So, um I've got one I want to start out with. This is something I, I this this is going to make you feel old, okay? <laughs> okay. I need more this of that. This is going to make you feel uh, real old, okay? Uh, this weekend actually happens to be BlizzCon 2014. BlizzCon. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Is actually a convention specifically for Blizzard games, so on and so forth, of all, all of which we, we know well and, and love. But what's, uh, what I think is particularly interesting about this particular BlizzCon is they held it this weekend because it is, it is the 10th anniversary of World of Warcraft. Oh, that's right. Now, how old does that make you feel? 10 years older. Well, I guess that's probably about true if I do that. <laughs> I, I, I remember playing this. Okay, so when, I was, when that came out, I was in grad school and my... Uh, our good friend Michael, who has done every one of our charity marathons with us, right, uh, uh, was living with me, and he got completely sucked into that uh, from the very beginning. I remember I tried the beta, and I was like, "Meh, I don't think this yeah. MMORPG thing is is for me." <laughs> it's not going to catch on. Nah, <laughs> what flash in the pan? Yeah, yeah, this little internet gaming thing is not going to work out. Nah, I, I actually figured it was gonna it was gonna probably do pretty well, but I, I, I it just I didn't catch on with me so Maybe. well what, what kills me is that i remember i don't remember the game coming out as much as i remember the build-up to the game because we were in college at the time mm -hmm. and um you know this is this was in an era that uh you know internet connectivity was not taken for granted right yeah yeah that's not, true not everybody had good solid stable internet connectivity yeah broadband was just really starting to spread out there 
and and let alone any kind of real robust connection at all. By the way, so you know, talking about you know uh, either jumping on a modem or or trying to find a broadband connection a, of some kind, a DSL, a, a modem <laughs> by which you take your analog telephone receiver and plug it into an apparatus to make uh, digital calls, and then you can hack Whopper and start World War Three. Right, <laughs> or or don't. Um, a war games reference. Some Matthew Broderick in the house. Anyway, I, yeah, <laughs> the, the only way to win is not to play. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I to me that the reason why that's so crazy is is not necessarily because MMORPGs are so huge now, and World of Warcraft is, is even bigger in in terms of concept. Like it's one of the most popular games in the world, if not the most popular game in the world, if you consider the last ten years. Um, and I remember the, the, the chat kind of going up to the game about how the hell are they going to pull this off? They're taking, you know, the, 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 the whole Warcraft universe and basically turning it into a giant explorable space by which you can just walk around and do stuff. I mean, to me, that sounded like such a ridiculous concept. Why would I want to jump into the world of a game and just walk around and do nothing, right? Sounds like you're uh, getting a little bit of a jump on our main topic, but yes. Well, right, but, but yeah, I, I am, right? I'm, I, maybe I did this on purpose. But the point is that it was, it was difficult for me at that point to understand why one would want to connect to the Internet to do that kind of a thing. And, and then you play the game in, in practice, and even though a lot of it has to do with everything I just said, walking around the world doing absolutely nothing, it's actually really fun. And it's kind of an interesting idea. You know, it's like a whole different reality. In, uh, in, in cyberspace. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, yeah, Mog in the chat is mentioning uh, Lord, uh, Lord of Legends. What? Le 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 League of Legends? League of oh. Legends. Oh. <laughs> That's something I don't, even, I don't even get. I mean, talk about feeling old. I feel like an old curmudgeon whenever something like that comes up. Yeah. Um, but and then also Android Warrior in the chat brings up uh, teens react videos like teens react to Super Smash uh. Brothers makes him feel really old. I um, <clears throat> those just make me angry. Those really make me feel like an angry old man that wants people to get off my lawn. That's right. That's right. Anyway, teens react to Cooper Cat. Now that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I have a few tids and bits. Uh, one interesting one is uh, the fine folks from Fan Gamer. Uh, mm -hmm. which uh, it makes all sorts of fun, you know, video game themed merchandise um, uh, with original artwork and such. Also the same creative force behind starmen.net, the uh, famous earthbound fan site uh, are creating a documentary called you are now earthbound. And they have released, um, they have released that information uh, or I'm sorry, they've released a Kickstarter. That's what I'm trying to say. If you go to Google and just type in you are now earthbound, you'll definitely find it like first thing. Um, basically, they, they were uh, asking for $100,000. They've already hit 150000 uh, and with 15 days to go. Uh, I highly suggest people should uh, go check that out, actually, if they're interested in Earthbound at all. Uh, they put in a lot of effort into it. They went to Japan and uh, interviewed Shigesato Itoi uh, and also talking to a lot of other folks uh Earthbound fans, people in the industry, uh, and maybe a certain person who is doing a podcast right now. Just, no. just saying. Okay, well, not you. You would be a, probably the worst Earthbound interview ever. 
What'd you think of the game? Uh, it yeah. was it was it was okay. There was, was a kid with a baseball bat. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually recorded a good amount uh, back at uh, PAX East this year, um, and uh, yeah, so hopefully that, that'll turn out pretty well. I, I think it will. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it, uh, to it. It should be coming out next year, I believe. Um, but yeah, so check that out definitely. That's a little tidbit bit for you guys. I like it. Uh, if you're a fan of the game. I have, uh, speaking of, it's actually kind of related to what we were just talking about before. Another interesting thing that uh, was brought to my attention was actually something that was, uh, I think, last week or maybe a week and a half ago. Uh, it was actually on HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. Sports? Um, yeah. Well, wait a minute. It gets better. Okay. So Robert Morris University... Has become the first uh, college in the United States to offer a um, scholarship program for esports. Oh, oh, oh! So I didn't hear about that. They yes. actually have a League of Legends team that competitively plays. Um, you can check it out at the Robert Morris University uh, athletics website. They actually offer scholarships for esports. Now, what do you think about that? That's interesting. I, um, I mean, they offer scholarships. Well, what do they offer scholarships for? Uh, I mean, you get scholarships for a lot of things these days. I mean, it depends on the university. Uh, you yeah. can get scholarships for uh, attending fake classes uh, if you go to UNC. Um, ouch, that hurts. Um, it hurts bad. <laughs> you can. Some, you know, I feel a little bitter about that. Um, some places you can get scholarships for joining marching band or uh, uh, what you call it, uh, cheerleading. I think. Uh, yeah. I'm sure somewhere. So you know, when, put put in that context, esports. Sure, that kind of makes sense. Why not? Uh, it, right. it it's a game. Um, I it's <clears throat> esports is something I never can really get into. Uh, but I understand it's a big. I mean, it's like what Twitch is basically based off of um yeah and no. league of legends happens to be oh, kind God. of fuel for that no kidding and dota too and dota yep um so but yeah i think you know sense. I, I, I always thought this was kind of a weird concept um and if you look at last week's weekly ringer you'll see my comments on whether i think <laughs> gaming should be a sport but i think um you know i, I am I'm a little bit hesitant about this whole thing. I mean, I, I like the idea of giving scholarships, and here's why. I mean, generally, a lot of the people playing these kinds of games are really smart people. Um, probably the kind of people you want to have attending your university. Certainly beats the heck out of uh, some of the athletes that uh, you and I went to college with. True. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, bringing down the old GPA average. Point is, you know, I, I mean, it can't be a bad thing, right? You offer scholarships to, to, to have a, 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 you know, a, uh, you know, have basically a, a team that plays competitively. And, hey, you, you get to go to school, you get paid to go to school, and you get paid to win in League of Legends. Yep. Imagine that. Yeah, I think that's lose, a great You're out of the family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. I have uh, another interesting one. Uh, I think this will be my last tid or bit. Um, the Internet Archive, uh, which if you're familiar with, basically archives the Internet. It's like a San Francisco, yep. I think it's a nonprofit. Um, are, they archive, have archived web pages for a long time. But uh, in, they also have just recently opened up a new portion of their site 
called the Internet Arcade, where you can, in a Java window, JavaScript window, play something like 900 arcade games Saw that. from the 70s to the 90s. Uh, some are emulated better than, better than others in a Java JavaScript, uh, as you could imagine. Uh, yeah. The old ones really turn out well. Things like Tapper and Robotron. Uh, I tried out uh, Burger Time as well. It's fascinating, and it's uh, something I really highly applaud. This is I, I gave a talk uh, at um, the Portland Retro Gaming Expo just about a month ago on video game preservation and this is you know this is obviously not perfect emulation of of um, of these games you know you're not getting the arcade experience necessarily but it's important to keep these games around and have them open and freely accessible to people to the public so that they're you know uh interested in them interest is kept and the data is alive and not just forgotten about um Something else interesting about this is, is that it, this uh, Internet Arcade is apparently curated by, uh, crap, I lost his name. Um, curated by crap, I lost his name. <laughs> no. You know who he is? He is the guy who uh, created that very interesting documentary we saw at PAX East several years ago called Get Lamp. Oh, yeah. That that guy with the... I want to say Robert Brown or something like that. Oh, I feel stupid for not remembering his name um this is a this is a guy who is obviously very uh very into uh video game preservation he created like a six-hour documentary on bbs systems and uh and uh interactive fiction uh oh. You know, which is what Get Lamp is all about. It's 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 a very dense. We sat there for like two hours, and that was only part of it. Um, it's a very dense uh, documentary about the those games like Zork and this interactive fiction, and you know how they were super big for a little while in the eighties, and then they they kind of fell off. But there's still like this kind of cottage industry keeping them alive. Um, Jason so Scott is his name. There we go. There Thank you. Go. you. That's good. So at this point, the people listening to the podcast are going to get a special feature because I'm being told that the stream is completely down. So we're we're basically just talking to each other right now for the people on the podcast. Hey, that's awesome. Um, so everyone is reporting to me that the stream is down right now, and I guess I'll just vamp while you try to fix that problem. That sound mm. good? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, I'll do that. So uh, I, I like this idea. First of all, the idea of, of having a uh, an archive... Um, for the internet is pretty sweet anyway, and I guess I, I guess I had heard about that if I think about it hard enough. Um, but I uh, the, the the 900 arcade game thing is weird. I mean, how did they circumvent? I guess it's because it's for archival purposes. But do you have any idea how they circumvented copyright law with that? Or <sighs> you know, that's an excellent idea or an excellent uh, question because I am not. Uh, I've I've only. Um, different news articles about it uh but no i'm not exactly sure what the deal with that is um apparently we're back by the way so i don't know what happened yay but. i was i was excited um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah, they, so. they they have a lot of games that are you know still owned properties like tetris and paperboy right. and street fighter you know um the ones that everyone cares about that they don't that they want to keep their hooks in and don't want to let people play so i don't know i i find um that's an interesting conversation. Not sure. I, that that's interesting. Something to look into a little bit more because you know there's been a <clears throat> website called Virtual Any up for 
I want to say something like a decade. Really? Which, which lets you emulate, and again, in a JavaScript window, uh, NES games. Huh. And they say, you know... Uh, Look, you're going to do this anyway. Why not do it on the web? Uh, yeah, but they say like, oh, we have a, we have a, you know uh, an actual copy of every game that we allow for emulation. I don't know if that actually circumvents whatever laws they might be coming against, but I, I no one's bothered it. them yet. So, wow, I, I I did not know that either. That's that's kind of crazy. Hey, you know what? Speaking of old games, I forgot something. I have to mention before we leave the tids and bits. I, I found out this week, and was very excited to find out that they fulfilled their promise since Disney purchased LucasArts. And X-Wing and X-Wing Tie Fighter have been now have now been released on Good Old Games. That's true. I noticed that. And uh, I, I tweeted about this because I was so excited. And they're ten bucks a piece. And you know, I mean, given how old the game is, you know, that might sound expensive, but I got to tell you, that's the best ten bucks you could possibly ever spend. Yeah. Um, we. We initially played that game with an F-15 flight stick hooked up to a <laughs> 386. Yep. That had no sound capability whatsoever. It had a PC speaker and no sound card. So not only did I not know the game had sound, but I also didn't know that the game didn't just kind of jerk around in like really, really bad <clears throat> Well, yeah, but we played it in an interesting way because we made it a two-player game where one person controlled the flight stick and the other person controlled the, the keyboard. And the person on the keyboard was basically the astromech. Yes. It was like, cycle the shields, full yes. power to engines, blah, blah, yep. blah. It was, looking back, that was actually really clever that how we did that. I don't know how, why we were that clever. Oh, I don't know that we were because I started reading some of the comments on good old games and apparently a lot of people did that. Like, people have comments awesome. on there. About how they would play with like their brother or something and be like, hey, do this. And they would just sit there and control the keyboard. Well, it makes sense because it's a lot to keep track of. Uh, yeah. By the way, Techie and the, uh, the, the, the host of our chat, uh, very, very uh, kind person, uh, Techie in the chat is uh, saying that uh, virtual NES is breaking laws. It's just not worth prosecuting, <laughs> which is kind of what yeah. I thought. It's probably the same kind of thing here. It's like whoever owns the rights to tapper or whatever probably like they maybe could sue um uh the internet archive they but but what's the point and also it might be more of a gray area there because it's no one they're not selling access to these games you know they're making it it's like a non-profit and they're doing it for the purposes of preservation and who knows i'm sure there's it could definitely be an interesting case in court if it actually went especially if they're not making any money on it which certainly has what i'm saying anyway but I think, you know, the, the reason why I wanted to bring up the old, the whole uh, uh, X-Wing stuff is because you should definitely buy that. If you haven't played those games, it's awesome. It's the best space flight simulator I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, to this day, I don't think there's anything that equals that. Um, even Rogue Squadron wasn't half as good as the original X-Wing, in my opinion. But um, it also, I think, is a, is a great thing because it shows that Disney is willing to do what people request which is to release some of those old games that's the most important part about this oh cooper and in the chat meowing at us yeah oh that's great well i mean i know you didn't allow him in the room so <laughs> um i also i also think it's it's great because the very when i read the article and i don't remember exactly where i read it that it was being released the first thing i said was oh and it, it's finished off with and more more games from lucas arts is to come and the first thing i said was i can't wait for full throttle oh right the right. very first comment was, "I can't wait for full throttle." <laughs> so it yes. was it was kind of a weird, yeah. 
it's kind of a weird situation. So full, when full throttle comes out, I will be buying that. So let's Here. um let's finish up the tids and bits, which has already gone long with um. Well, we were out for a little while, so we had to figure that out. Yeah, we kept talking. It's fine. Um, let, yeah. Let's discuss uh, the upcoming 6th Annual Clan of the Grey Wolf Charity Marathon. I like uh, that. Which will be held on... Dece- uh, sorry, it'll start at noon Eastern Standard Time. Daylight Savings Time is over. On Friday, December 12th. And end at the stroke of midnight on the evening of uh, Sunday, the 14th of December. So we're going to go again for 60 hours because we're insane. Uh, this will be a 16-bit Apalooza. We're going to be playing Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis and uh, maybe even some Sega CD and uh, CDI while we're at it because it's crazy. Nice. Uh, we'll have more information on uh, donation gifts and ways that you can donate to have us play your favorite game from the 16-bit era. Uh, but in the meantime, well, actually, okay. Maybe we, do you want to put this question to the to the audience in the chat? Maybe. Uh, yeah, we, we, we certainly could could put it in front of the chat. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Because we're we're kind of frankly stuck on who we would like to have the be the beneficiary uh, this year of the charity. Uh, so many good causes. Uh, we're down to I think two. Yeah. Um, but if anyone has an interesting one, feel free to mention it. Uh, we're. Trying to decide between the V Foundation for Cancer Research, which we uh, was the beneficiary two years ago uh, when we raised $20,000 with your help. Um, uh, excellent foundation uh, for cancer research. They are a four-star charity on Charity Navigator, uh, and um, cancer affects a lot of people, very obviously. And just damn fine people at the same time. Yes. Um, the other uh, one that we have up on the table is St. Jude's. Um, Hold on a second. St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, which is an actual... It's a hospital in, uh, uh, I think, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it's in Tennessee. It's basically a hospital, a children's hospital, where um, children uh, can be referred there, and they can go there for absolutely free. All expenses paid, uh, and you know they run off of donations. And not only that, but they also do research. So, uh, like... Great. Yeah. Get- Best of both worlds there, research and, and practice. Yes, yeah, so uh, another great uh, charity, obviously, um, not obviously, but that was um, a uh, frequent, uh, sup- uh, Robin Williams was a frequent supporter of it, uh, the Dearly Departed. Uh, so we, we have those two going back and forth. So if you guys have any ideas uh, or, or, or feelings on that strongly, let us know in the chat. Uh, I already see a few for St. Jude's. Uh, there's a Doctors Without Borders. That's also a good one good one it's a good one i haven't i don't i don't want to get the ebolas true ebola um um yeah so you know i i think we could probably make either of those work i think that's why we oh i i don't you know i i have a funny feeling just a a, a weird inclination Mm. number one uh, Jeremy Renner will be joining us again, but you will call him by his Christian name. <laughs> Jeremy Hawkeye Renner. And uh, I have a funny feeling we will not be doing Child's Play. Um, um, and yes. it's not because we have anything necessarily against Child's Play, but we, we worked with Child's Play. We didn't work with them. We, we raised money for them for the first two years, three years. Yeah, two years. So we, we've done them twice already. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we did them twice already. And, uh, you know, at that point, it was kind of the hottest thing to do anyway. It was what people were all doing. And I thought that was kind of, uh, mm. you know, 
something to leave behind. We don't want to do what everybody else did. We want to do something a little bit. So different. Horse With No Name brings up a really good one with Doctors Without Borders. It's another four star charity, and I know that they do very good work. Yeah. Uh, that's that's certainly so not. Uh, congratulations, you made it harder on us to try to decide. Yeah, yeah. So now we have to decide between <laughs> three. Anyway, uh, okay, one more thing with the. So, okay, we'll decide that a, a little bit later. Um, but uh, also. Uh, last year, and I don't know who started this, but I'd like to thank them. But at some point, someone had the idea of donating things for us to give out uh, during the marathon, like Steam codes, or uh, someone also donated a download code for um, a Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds on 3DS and, and all sorts of stuff. And it was amazing uh, giving. These A lot of people that Maybe they couldn't give money, but they had these games that they could give to the cause, and then we could then give them out so people could donate. Yes. Uh, and we thank you all so much for that. However, it was also a major... Um, uh, what am I trying to say? It was very maddening <laughs> to try to juggle all of those codes coming in and making sure we knew which ones were sent out and which ones weren't and, and all this other yeah. stuff. That was that was insane. We had a list going at one point, and I was just like... uh I don't even know what to do here anymore. Yeah, so I apologize if I mess anyone up with all that. But uh, we're going to be a little proactive this year. And if you if you have any sort of uh, things you would like to donate, especially virtual things like download codes for games, uh, please, please uh, feel free to donate that to us. Uh, and we have opened up a new email address where you can do so. Uh, if you would send... Um, the download codes or or anything else you'd like to donate to uh, cotgw dot marathon at gmail dot com. Uh, we would be very very appreciative. Um, we'll be compiling a list of the people who donate. Uh, if you have any sort of you know website or whatever that you'd like to plug uh, in a, in you know return for this donation, we'd be happy to do that. Um, yeah, and you know, we'll we'll be mentioning that again in the future, but I just wanted to announce that we have that open uh for non-monetary donations. So All right. Yeah, I, I like it. And I th you know, I think uh, I think it's going to be a really good year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we hope all of you will join us <laughs> as uh, many of you already have. So join us again. Yes. Um all right. So it's time to move on to the topic du jour, which is the topic of the day. Um Rue did a great job of kind of describing what we're going to talk about, but you know this this I think could be a good recurring show topic for us with different games, games that really changed the way that we look at either the industry or the way that we play video games, um, and we could have picked a lot of games to talk about, to talk about why they change things and how they change things and so on and so forth, and uh, but today uh, the first choice for this series is Grand Theft Auto 3. Yes. And, um, yeah, I could have picked a lot of games, but I think this is a good one. And I think it changed things in a lot of ways. But I'm going to start. So I picked it, so I know why I think that. Well, would you like me to it, set it the, should be. Would you like me to set the yeah, you stage go ahead. a little bit first? Okay, so. Yeah, you go ahead. Think back. Way back. Back when Earth was still in diapers. <laughs> back to 2001. Y2K was behind us. We were still, you know, getting over the, the post-New Millennium hangover. Uh, stuff was happening. Um, 
So in 2001, the PS2, October 2001, the PlayStation 2 was a year old, uh, was already selling like gangbusters um, with with amazing, you know, games like uh, Dark Cloud and uh, Shadow of Destiny. Who could blame it? Uh, <laughs> that's a that's actually somewhat unfair but uh <laughs> yeah a little bit that's let's say right. the launch lineup for the ps2 was not stellar um by I the way see. complete complete uh sidetrack i was looking up just uh, just to remind myself what the launch games for the ps2 were and i came across the list of play of launch games for the nintendo 64 which uh if you'll recall there were two launch games for the nintendo 64 in north america pilot wing 64 and mario 64 Small number of games, but quality. In Japan, there were three. Pilotwing 64, Super Mario 64, and a third game called... I'm going to butcher this. Saikyo Habu Shogi. And I need to show you this, uh, this, this cover art. <clears throat> what this was... This, this, this translates to Strongest Habu Shogi. It is a Japanese virtual board game that was sold only in Japan and was one of the three Nintendo 64 launch titles for that system in Japan. Uh, it didn't sell very well, but uh, <laughs> there you go. If you ever, um, if you ever find that, you can win that trivia. Exactly. If you ever, if that ever comes up in, when you're on Jeopardy, now you know what to do. Anyway, back on topic. Uh, the Dreamcast had launched a couple years ago, but was already losing steam. It was kind of Sega's last hardware gasp. And uh, the Xbox and GameCube were still a month away. So, PS2, especially with its DVD player installed, was doing well, but didn't have a huge library of games. The only real big game that had come out so far was uh, uh, Gran Turismo 3. So, you have uh, a, a uh, company called uh, da, 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 DMA Design, mm -hmm. which had changed. It was only founded in 1998 and had changed hands a few times since then. It was recently bought by uh, uh, Rockstar and uh, was about to be changed into Rockstar North. Uh, this is actually a studio in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, of all places. And they'd made a few interesting games before. Uh, actually, they were... I don't know if best, maybe best known for the Lemmings series of games back in the old 16-bit days. Yep. They also made a couple of games called Grand Theft Auto and then Grand Theft Auto 2. Um, <clears throat> these were... 1969. Exactly. Yeah, 19, London 1969, uh, London 1961. Uh, you know, interesting games. Um, Top down. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, kind of... It's it's difficult to describe the original GTA games. They were they were originally designed as racing games. Yes. But the the people the the designers found out it was so much more fun to kind of run around and jump into the cars and take off that they decided to change the the uh, the way that they were put together. <laughs> it was so, it was it, definitely more of an arcadey type. Yeah. Experience, you know. That top down you, you like you score points by you know uh, running missions and you know, killing cops or whatever. whatever. Uh, yeah, and you and you score points, and then once you're done with the mission, or or you get once you score a certain number of points, then it changes, and you go to the next level. Basically, again, very arcadey. Yes, 
but you can see some of the things, especially in Grand Theft Auto 2, some of the building blocks of what was made into Grand Theft Auto 3. That includes things like um, side missions, like you could drive a taxi to get points or things like that. So anyway, when, when October, Grand Theft Auto 3 comes out to uh, not a lot of hoopla necessarily at first, but uh, well, go ahead, go ahead, Commodore. Tell us, tell us a little bit about um, your thoughts on Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto 3 was... When it first came um, out Yeah, Grand Theft Auto 3, I think, was in many ways uh, one of the first uh, really polished and um, you know, incredibly tight experiences on in the in 3D worlds, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know there was an entire generation of the PS1, but we all, all of us that were alive can concede at this point that that was kind of an ugly generation of video games, right? <laughs> they're, they're, it wasn't very pretty to look at. We all thought it was beautiful. And then we go back and look at it now and think it's, it's absolutely terrible. But um, the PS2 offered so much more in terms of horsepower and graphical capability that when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, it just it just looked like it was from a completely different world. It looked like it was compl- from a completely different universe. And I remember the first time I ever saw Grand Theft Auto Three, and um, it was it, a friend had had purchased it, had played it for a little while, and was just shown it off. It was one of those games where, like you said, did not come out to a lot of hoopla. I had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. The only way I heard about it was because someone brought it over and said, "You got to, you got to check this out. This game's crazy as hell, right?" I think that's when I first saw it too. Was at your house with that? That was that that friend with the PS2 who always had to show off the new game he got for it, right? Yes, but it wasn't my house. I think it was actually Michael's house. Right? Oh, okay. I remember. Okay, I remember it both places. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so we were there, and and he he just started just doing just running around and causing mayhem, like. It wasn't about, hey, here's a mission that I'm going to go do. It was like, look what I can do. I now have a rocket launcher, and I'm going to blow up that car over there. And, you know, it, you, it's one of those things. Like, it's similar to Minecraft. When you, when you watch it the first time, you kind of go, I don't get it. What's the point? You just run around blowing stuff up? Exactly. Exactly. And, and then you realize that there's this whole concept of the, of the 3D open world game, the sandbox game. Um, which is one of the reasons why I think GTA 3 changed everything. Not because it was the first open world game, not because it was the first sandbox kind of game, um, you know, where you can really do whatever the heck you want, but because it was the first one to do it in such an incredibly well-polished package. Yeah. With, with such, you know, such great controls, <laughs> such great capabilities. And the other thing is the narrative was so well put together you have a, a protagonist that doesn't talk. Um, and even though you see the protagonist many, many times, you know, it's obviously a first, you know, a, a, mostly a first person or a third person experience. Um, either or, you can make it whatever you liked. And th- the depth of this game was absolutely amazing. You know, you, would, you could drive, you know, you could drive, steal a car, go drive it into your garage, and that car would be there forever if you save the game, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there was incredible depth in terms of, you know, the characters that you would meet and how it evolved over time. You could go back and, and re, you know, revisit those characters or you something would happen in the game and then you'd hear about it, you know, on the radio or there'd be a special cutscene about how, you know, the bridge was now open and it wasn't de- demolished after all. It all just worked really, really well. And, 
in my estimation, one of the reasons that Grand Theft Auto 3 changed the world is because it was so well put together in that new... It was that perfect storm of being really, really polished and a great game, but it was also the first of its kind in so many ways. Yes, and like you said, it wasn't necessarily the first sandbox game or, or the first open world game. I mean, you could argue that games like... Uh, Super Mario 64 or Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, especially Ocarina of Time, had this open world type field, uh, feel, you know, especially with Hyrule, Hyrule Field and such. But there was, it felt limited, uh, even in Ocarina of Time. It's like there was the hub, it, it was the hub and spoke system, right? You had Hyrule Field and then you would go into either Hyrule Castle or Kakariko Village or Lake Hillia, whatever, you know, it was all definitely segmented. Uh, and especially with, you know, Super Mario 64, you had discrete worlds that you had to go into or, or out of in the paintings. Uh, and Grand Theft Auto 3 definitely isn't the perfection of that, because, I mean, there have been lots of sandbox games since that have shown, you know, more perfected, I should say. I agree. And, and so much more, oh. so much less limited oh, yeah. than GTA 3 even was. Yeah, but but uh, but there, there was definitely a bit of a paradigm shift when GTA 3 came out. I remember something when we were kids, I think most of us when we were kids growing up in the 80s, we always thought, wouldn't it be neat to have like a world that was like completely open and explorable and you could like do anything you want to it? The, the closest I can really say akin to it are games like The Legend of Zelda, which yes. were really great in that 2D sense of Legend of Zelda and Link to the Past of having this really ex, you know, expansive, explorable world where you could, you know, interact with so much stuff. Right. Daggerfall is, is a great example. Sage just typed that in the chat. I think that's a perfect example. Daggerfall, um, you know, was mass was the opposite in many ways where it wasn't a very tight kind of packaged experience. But it was huge. It was absolutely massive. The world was, I think somebody actually calculated it. You, the entire world in Daggerfall was like twice the entire, to scale, was twice the size of the island in Great Britain, right? Oh, yeah. So it is absolutely massive. But that, it, but it wasn't a good, solid experience because it was just so, you could just walk and walk and walk for days and it was ugly as hell. Right. Three was beautiful. And it, it didn't feel as limited as other games. And there were there were ga other games like Elder Scrolls and, and Ultima, you know, RPG type games, especially Western RPGs, that <clears throat> were kind of sandbox like games, but you they still felt limited, yes. if you will. And especially because it wasn't an uh, an action like it didn't feel. And here's here's where I think one of the things where Grand Theft Auto Three really leapt over a hurdle. They didn't necessarily feel all that lived in. Yes. You know, there wasn't like a dynamic environment so much going on where in Grand Theft Auto, what 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 really, like you said, when I first saw Grand Theft Auto, I was like, well, what's what are you supposed to do? Like, what's the object? And yes, there right. are missions, but that's not the fun part. The fun part is you can walk down the street and there's random people and you pass them and they'll say something flippant. And there's a guy, you, you know, driving down the street and you can just pull him, pull over grab his car, go over, do something else. Or if you hit someone, an ambulance will come up. You can go and you can steal the ambulance. You know, it's a, it's an interactive, dynamic world. And the idea of... With people uh, in it. And the, the interactivity is great. And the other thing was, you know, you do something because you thought it was fun. Like, 
okay, all right, I got this world, I'm out here, I can do whatever I want. What if I decide to just go up and beat the crap out of somebody? Well, sure, you can do that. So you go up and you beat the crap out of somebody, and then you realize that a cop has seen you and now a star pops up. And the whole game changes again, because now it's not just about doing stuff, it's the fact that everything you're doing has some kind of ramification, and legal ramifications at that, and now the, ch- the cops are chasing you. So what better reason to steal a car and try to get the hell out of Dodge other than the fact that the cops are chasing you? So it becomes this, you know, part of the game was to try to see how big we could get our wanted level up to. Could we get five stars, right? You know, where the, the helicopter's coming after you, the feds are coming after you, like it's just, it's just a disaster, right? Right. Um, so, you know, it, it became like a, a competition of who can do the, the greatest illegal activities, um, or how, how high can I jack the wanted level, and can I get away from the cops now, even though I've got, you know, three or four stars? Um, just, the game had so many different dimensions to it, right? Yeah, and, and that became the driving not the driving, but that, that became the most fun part of the game was, yeah, there's missions if you really want to, but I guarantee you most people who play the game would rather just kind of futz around and do anything else they want. And even though games, other Grand Theft Auto games, especially since then, have added more to do since then, you can look back now at Grand Theft Auto 3 and say, wow, there really wasn't all that much to do. What it offered was new and and opened up possibilities. You know, that that living dynamic world that we always wanted as kids, but you know, technology was limited, limited what that's, we could. That's right. Um, and I think, I think too, you know, the, the, the other piece here that I think is interesting about why Grand Theft Auto three changed the, the industry. And a couple people just mentioned in the chat, this is definitely one of the reasons why I picked the game is it's cultural influence. You know, there are those kind of touchstone mm-hmm. games, maybe some that we'll talk about in future elements of this particular topic. Um, you know, future shows, but you know that they're the touchstones of the of the kind of generational, um, you know, zeitgeist of the culture, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What people were thinking about at that moment. You know, we think of Mortal Kombat or like Pac-Man or these these kinds of things that become became kind of cultural icons and not just video game icons. That that was the other big thing I wanted to talk about with how this changed gaming how this game changed gaming because you look and this is going to sound silly looking at the content because well this i think was one of the big uh turning points in bringing maturation to video games as, as a medium absolutely in that uh not i don't necessarily mean mature as in like you know stuffy hoity toity or or even you know, raunchy. He's just dude, Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. You know, like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. You can beat up a stripper or whatever, and t- or a, a prostitute and take her money. But I mean, like, this was a game that, when you first play it, you're kind of shocked at how brunt, uh, blunt, and forceful it is. Um, and, uh, and this is something that Rockstar, in particular, has kind of, you know, led the way on. Uh, there was, you know heavy swearing there was uh drug references drug like actual drug reference well i think they changed the drug spank they they, they changed it to they said spank as some sort of made-up drug in grand theft auto 3 but after that they were just like yeah cocaine whatever blah 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 you know uh yeah exactly but there was like there was swearing there was heavy violence uh there was uh obviously heavy violence i mean like sexual 
references uh not outright sec outright sexual acts but like you look at gaming before this point and it's not like that there weren't you know mature necessarily games mature themed games but like look at the controversy caused by games like night trap or mortal Kombat less than 10 years before this and it looks like child's play compared to grand theft auto 3 um And th- that marked a, a turning point where I think a lot of companies said, we can, uh, you know, gamers are growing up and we can use more mature themes in our games. Yes. And that's that's happened in so many games since then. And, and I'll, t- I'll take it a step further, too. I think it was a game that was absurdly popular that was very clearly not marketed in any way, shape or form to children. Oh, yeah, definitely. This was a game that was not at all supposed to be played by kids. The same way you have an R-rated movie, and I know that the, the um, ESRB long predates Grand Theft Auto by a long shot, by almost 10 years. Uh, but, I thought it was more like five years, but anyway. Okay, but anyway, it's a lot, right? It predates it, yeah. It, it predates it by a lot. My point is, you know, there was a mature rating before. There, there was, you know, an everyone rating, blah, 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 blah. This game was clearly clearly supposed to be played and enjoyed by adults and most of the themes that are in it for example one of the radio stations in the game um was just the soundtrack from this from the movie scarface oh yeah uh put uh, yeah definitely every every song was from scarface flashback the flashback channel right? yeah it was ridiculous and yeah so so if unless you kind of knew something about scarface which i didn't when i first started playing grand theft auto 3 i didn't either um and then later yeah, and then later saw the movie. I was just like, "Holy crap!" They they pulled everything from Scarface and put it into freaking Grand Theft Auto, and then you got it. And you know, Scarface is not meant for kids. Therefore, Grand Theft Auto is not meant for kids. Yeah. Um, it, but but here's the other great thing about it, and it, it became culturally aware. To, you know, this this it also produced kind of the Jack Thompsons of the world. Well, you know that kind of a thing where there was this kind of huge backlash against Grand Theft Auto because everyone knew it for exactly what you just said, you know, oh you, you can kill a hooker and take her money. Yeah, this is great. I want my kids playing this. The whole point is you you don't your kids aren't supposed to be playing this. It was definitely don't, controversial yeah. at the time, but it was like worthwhile controversy, not like fake blood in 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 uh, Mortal Kombat or or yeah. girls in 90s and Night Trap, you Seems- know stupid now right i I mean you can still kind of see why grand theft auto was controversial at the time yeah and still still is kind of actually i mean like you you had uh i hate to bring this up you you had anita sarkeesian in uh on uh the colbert report just a couple weeks ago talking about you know games that are are you know uh, show violence against women and she specifically named the grand theft auto series i mean so even even in a way it's still today controversial uh, but still accepted. Um, right. I, I, I know we um, probably don't have too much more time on this topic, but one other thing I wanted to bring up, and I, you know, I'm probably, I might be reaching here, but whatever. I, I think it's not, I think it's not necessarily a coincidence that Grand Theft Auto reached the popularity it did. And it came out just a little over one month after September 11th happened. Yep, that's the, there's there's a big correlation there too. Right? You know, I, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have gotten big without that happening, no. but I think that that September 11th definitely in America signaled a change in mood. Mm-hmm. The 90s were all like happy and dot com boom and economy's doing great. End of the Cold War, everyone's happy. This is great. 
and and after September 11th, the mood changed overall. I mean, this is also in the middle of the whole anthrax scare and build up to war in Afghanistan. Like, just people were really distressed, you know, and 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 dark. You know, things got dark. <laughs> That's a good it, way to put it. Dark. You know, shit got real. Exactly, and you that you also had a rise of TV shows that were much darker. I, I, a lot of people will say, you know, Battlestar Galactica, the the reboot, which is so dark and deals with themes that really resonated in a post September 11th world. You know, versus like Star Trek of the 90s, where it's just like, oh, oh yeah, exactly, yeah, we're solving problems and everyone's working together. But uh, but but the fact that you know the fact that this happened so soon after September 11th, got and people are in a dark mood. I think that fit the zeitgeist better than it would have otherwise if it came out a few years earlier. There's no question, and I think you're pointing to another very important element of Grand Theft Auto series in general, but Grand Theft Auto 3, I think, was the first game to really show this in droves, was a, a near-perfect satire on some of our favorite stereotypical situations from the movies. Uh, and also some of the most ridiculous elements of popular culture. Right. Oh, yeah. There's there's Pokemon references on the radio with PogoTheMonkey.com. You know <laughs> there is there's you know you think of the stereotypes from the games. You know there's kind of the the Tony Soprano gangster. There's biting you know. satire. Yeah. It, absolutely. And and I mean it was it's like heavy heavy handed. So you're supposed to. It's not supposed. It's it's, it's totally ham fisted. Right. Yeah. It's totally ham fisted. Look, this is satirical. And you should laugh at this like everybody laughs at this. But at the same time, we pretend like we're just, you know, like 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 we're taking it seriously. And that's why all of us that played Grand Theft Auto 3 were laughing at all the people that didn't play Grand Theft Auto 3 and told us it was terrible and, you know, unintellectual or, or you know, violent or all these other kinds of things is because they weren't really thinking about they had no idea what the real game experience was was about, which was really a, a satire on popular culture. And I think that also has everything to do with what you just said, where people had a little bit more of a skeptical view of society. This is a game about committing crimes, right? Mm -hmm. that, essentially, I mean, if, if you play the missions, you know, I mean, I'm not saying you have to. I mean, I, I always laugh because, like, when I'm in a mission, sometimes I would not follow the traffic laws. But for some reason, when I got in a car, I wanted to, like, follow the traffic laws. Like, oh, there's a red light. Better stop. Yeah. And you're expecting like something to happen. <laughs> no, nothing. Ha you don't. You don't get points for following the rules in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, and 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 so just to be clear, I'm not saying that 9, uh, September 11th influenced GTA. No, necessarily. At least not through GTA 3. Obviously, they were, they were contemporary. They I'm. Were contemporary. I'm. Yeah. I'm just saying that it, uh, the the mood of the country, um, probably was more accepting of GTA 3, than like this dark. It's basically a dark gangster, uh, uh, simulation. Open yes. world simulation, uh, and I think that's more uh, that would have been, that's more accepted. Again, like I said, I might be stretching a bit, but I believe it's more accepted because of that dark time uh, than it would would have been a few years earlier. The other thing is, Scarface came back into prominence. You know, Scarface was was largely panned when it came out, uh, and by you know, I knew Scarface is already a remake, but the Al Pacino remake of Scarface uh, from you know what is it, 1980, I think. When it came out, it was largely like, what the hell is this? This is a terrible movie. I mean, it was almost it almost got kind of B-movie recognition among Hollywood. It, there was a resurgence of Scarface in the 90s and into the 2000s, late 90s and into the 2000s. Like, I mean, you could buy Scarface posters 
when we were in college. You know what I mean? Like it was it was back and it was huge and it was big and everybody was talking about it again. So this game tapped into that. It absolutely tapped into that to be like, hey, you know, this has kind of got the Tony Montana, you know, story to it. You're this guy. You start out as this low-level punk, and you kind of work your way all the way up to being the, you know, Scarface yes. kind of guy, right? Um, so I think, you know, I to me, there's something about that part of it, too. And the other thing we should mention is that it really kicked off you know, a couple games that were based on the GTA 3 engine, but were so much bigger and better games. Because I think it's hard to say the GTA 3 is a better game than Vice City or a better game than San Andreas. Oh, yeah. But it, but it's more important because it kicked those games off well, in terms of being the cultural touchstone <clears throat> of the generation. And, and like, like I said before, I mean, just... So, so it, it opened the way for darker, more mature games to become popular. Again, it wasn't the first one that was, it was a dark and mature game, but yeah. or mature-themed game. But right. it definitely popularized it and allowed later ones to be a little bit more accepted or easily or accept, e, more easily accepted. Uh, I think, yeah. But, but, but yeah, it influenced not just later GTA games in terms of the sandbox quality, the open world quality, but lots of big, big uh, releases and. And uh, series since I, I just just reading from a, a list, small list of games that I, I could say you could definitely say were heavily influenced uh, by GTA Three. Uh, you have Infamous, you have Saints Row, Assassin's Creed, the whole series basically. Absolutely. Uh, Scarface: The World Is Yours, uh, Watch Dogs. There you go. Watch Dogs, absolutely. Uh, Mafia, Just Cause, uh, Batman, Arkham games. You know. Oh, with that open world gameplay, uh, uh, Red Dead Red Dead Redemption, of course, you know. Yes. Uh, oh, Red Dead Redemption is just GTA in the old west. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, it influenced other games from Rockstar again. But you know, it, the, these type of games, uh, Dead Rising, you know, these are these are all open world games. Some most usually with dark themes uh, that are still very large sellers today. And it, it, you know, there were a lot of copycats that came out. Not long after uh, GTA Three, and you know some better than others, but yes. super influential, and and still big sellers today. Yeah, and and I think so. The the the, the legacy of GTA Three can't be overestimated, in my opinion, because, uh, and this is why I wanted to start this 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 topic for for the for the podcast because I believe that the games that we're going to talk about in this series are you know there's kind of games that came before it. And then there's the games that came after it, and you could you could pretty much see the entirety of the industry happen, you know, pivot around that specific game. Grand Theft Auto Three. It's hard to argue that wasn't a pivotal game in video gaming history because there's kind of all the games that came before GTA Three and all the games that came after GTA Three, mm-hmm. and all the ones that you listed that came afterwards are are so incredibly influenced by the experience of that game. And you know what? Even even Nintendo. What is the big selling point? The big thing everyone's excited about with the new Legend of Zelda on the Wii U. Truly open world. You know, something that hasn't been seen since the days of the original Legend of Zelda, which we had already talked about before, being a, a very good example of an, of an open world 2D game. You know, especially given technological restraints. But, I mean, you could, you could very easily argue that the popularity of sandbox games brought on by... GTA 3 uh, ha- even is reaching influence into uh, Legend of Zelda series now right. and of course of course other RPGs like Skyrim and Oblivion which are 
it's Skyrim. Which, Skyrim's a super open world game. Um, yeah, and I don't think Skyrim is necessarily as influenced by GTA as much as GTA showed the Elder Scrolls guy guys Bethesda how you could do it in a more tightly packaged area and make it more interesting and more fun because Oblivion right. came out in two thousand and five, I want to say, and what, Morrowind no. came out in what two thousand two two thousand three. That's true, and it's and that um, that was definitely an open world game, but it uh, yeah, it was definitely darker too than than the other uh, than the Elder Scrolls had been to that point. Um, that being said, it's it's a it's a sword and sorcery kind of game. They had their theme; they just they couldn't package it in a way that anyone not on a PC could play. Morrowind happened to be the first game that I think you could play on a on a console and not feel right. completely totally lost. But, but but to 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 put it simply, open world is is a very big selling point for games in general right now. You know, yes. unless it's like a puzzle game or, or something like that, a fighting game. You know, yeah. Any game last thing I'll say too: with open world is a big selling point. Yeah, and 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 leading off of that, the last thing I'll say about it is is ironically for me, and what set off my thinking about this was that. I just got GTA 5 uh, a couple weeks ago, and GTA 5 is is really really good. It's a really good game. I think it's much it's head and shoulders above GTA 4, which I played hours and hours and hours of, and then just kind of abandoned. Yeah, I felt the same way. But GTA 5 is a really good experience. It it does everything right that you'd want it to do, and yet I have this this strange compulsion. You know, when you when you start playing a game like this. And your life has changed so much, you know, from where I was in 2001, right? Now I, I pick it up and I go, oh, my God, there's so much stuff to do here. I don't have time to do all the stuff. So literally, I wish GTA, my wish was always the GTA 5 would have a little button you could push that said missions only. So that I could just play the game and just play the missions and not like have the cell phone and not have the... You know the girlfriends and the you know and the bowling alley and all this kind of stuff, and and now the open world concept has gotten so open world that it's almost like every single game is Second Life, and I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, the problem with the, the the like the GTA Four, you know, it became like a, a cousin. Let's go bowling. You know, um, yeah, is that it turned the the. Uh, optional open world stuff into okay hey hey you want to do this now don't you hey, you want to do this and then it becomes yeah more hey, hey, come, on, come on come on let's go let's yeah go. Then, come then, on, it, do this. then it turns it more into the main drag of stuff and then you feel kind of obligated and it's what well, anyway for those of us that are completionists it's like a total exactly it, it you know it's when like, you see oh, the little I light blinking and you're like i haven't done this you go i can't handle this i gotta move on so anyway <laughs> anyway I, I don't i don't think there's any doubt in the world that gta3 changed the world of gaming and uh, changed the way that the, the games industry has matured and has been seen um, in its wake. Definitely. Safe to say? Yep. All right, look for more of these kinds of conversations as we do more of the game changers <laughs> in the future um, because I think there's a lot of games to talk about that have similar effects and similar appreciation that we need to, to kind of throw and hoist upon them. Um, let's move on to the third portion of the program. Well, before we do that, I think we need to take a break for a, a, a quick fake commercial break. This With Cooper Cat. Well, no, unfortunately. Uh, uh -huh. but this episode of Echo Screen Live 
is brought to you by Little Peppermint Candies. And Grand Theft Auto 5. And Grand Theft Auto 5. Little Peppermint Candies are delicious. They will they will freshen your breath, you stinky breathed bastard. Uh, pop one in your mouth and kiss a girl because peppermint candies make them happy and more likely to want to be around you. Uh, little peppermint candies now available at uh, Eckerd Drug. Nice. All right. That was a good little segue. Thank you. We'll have to do more of that stuff during the marathon. Something to break that up. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, all right. So let's let's I, dive into the third I portion love, of the program. I love fake selling out. Which is, yeah, I know. Fake selling out is, is, is much more fun than real selling out. And there's much <laughs> less money involved. Um, so uh, we'll move to the, to the third portion of the program, which is the question and answer portion of the program. Just as a reminder, folks, if you have a question that you would like Rue or myself or both of us to answer live on the air as a part of this program, all you have to do is send me a tweet at it's the Commodore. I'm putting it in the chat right Well, what now. if someone in the chat wants to just send you something directly? How would they do that? They can't. <laughs> uh, no, actually, they can. All they, all they have to do is, if you're in the chat, just click on my name on the right-hand side of the of the uh, chat there. Commodore128, if you're on IRC, uh, whatever, whatever the case might be. And send me a private message and let me know what your question is, the best of which, and probably given the time that we've spent talking here, the fewer of which, uh, I, will, I will read live on the air and we will answer live on the air. All right. All right. Let's get started. Um, here's a here's a cool question. So, what did you just do? Did uh, you just uh, sing the song? Are you adding music? I was I was getting. Let's get it started. Hey, here's speaking of, of adding music. I got um, we, we we did get a question here that I was going to ask. Okay, Sick Slayer asks, Have you seen Zelda SNE the Zelda SNES mod that replaces the music with CD audio? I have. And then replaces this with a YouTube clip. What do you think? I have not. So I'm going to load this and watch it later. You should. It's very interesting. Uh, it, it's basically exactly as you uh, you described it. It basically replaces the uh, the 16-bit audio tracks with uh, CD-quality audio uh, remixes, basically, of, of all the music. All the blips and bloops are still there, you know, from the sound effects, but it's with this really great music underneath it. And they say, like, oh, you know, and you can, like, play it in an actual, you know, if you can download it to a cartridge, you can play it in an actual Super Nintendo, which at first sounds ridiculous. It's like, oh, my God, how can the Super Nintendo actually play this? And it's like, well, I mean, yes, it's just passing the sound through the sound channel. So the, the trick is, is the storage on the cart, you know. Uh, most of these carts, I think, like, huge ones had 32 megabits, not even megabytes, but, like, megabits of RAM. I want to say like Final Fantasy VI might have had 32 megabits, and that was huge. Yeah. And 32 megabits is what? Like, I can't math. Four megabytes? Yeah, I was about to say divided by eight. (laughs) So, and I believe that the download for this particular version of Legend of Zelda uh, uh, Link to the Past with the CD audio is like half a gigabyte, something like that. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Technol- technically it is it is correct it's able you know y- you can do that is it's the reason i couldn't do that back in the t- in the day is you know storage limitations uh yeah but yeah it, it's it's fun to play actually i was thinking maybe that's something we could do for the marathon i don't know we'll see uh sounds sounds like a uh, not too shabby of an idea i like that um 
you know, and one of the one of the things that differentiated, I remember our conversations early on, was the storage capability of the PS One versus the N sixty four. Oh God, yeah, because you could just do so much more with a disc. Well, uh, you could store a lot more with the disc. You just store. That's what I mean. You just store so much more stuff that. It, it, it just became easier, for, I think, for everyone involved to be able to, to run games off of a disc. Um, seems like a simple, easy thing for us today, but back then it was kind of an evolutionary thing. Um, okay, I've got one here from Markies. Good longtime friend of the program, Markies. Two questions for you guys. One, I just started my first game of Earthbound. Any Yay, tips? Win. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, tip. Um, yes, the Nintendo has released the um, the Earthbound strategy guide for free online. Uh, it is uh, not only very helpful with the game, but just super awesome and amazing to read in general for fun. I would read That's it on, on the potty all the time as a kid. Um, just Google search for that. Search like the Earthbound player's guide, and I'm sure you'll find a link to it. It's in PDF form, I believe, so... Yeah, speaking of which, I also I, I wanted to mention this before, too. If you go buy X-Wing or TIE Fighter on goodoldgames.com, good which we talked about at the first portion of the program, um, it comes with the strategy guide and the original uh, manual, the, 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 the CD insert. How cool is that? Pretty cool. I think that's damn awesome. Like the, the, These guys are going above and beyond to get my money. I mean, what, what do you want? I was, I was going to give 10 bucks for just the game, but <laughs> 10 games and the strategy guide? Just take my money. It's old. Um, I don't have any tips about Earthbound. Besides, <laughs> don't don't get don't get caught up in the childishness of it, or else you'll ruin your entire experience. You're such a terrible person. Any tips? Uh, let's see. No, sorry. This, there's another any tips question here. I'm going to. I'm going to Magfest in January for the first time. Yay! Any tips? Any tips on that as well? Oh. And then he tells us how much he loves the program. Which oh, we, well, thank you. That's very si- kind of you. It's very signed of you. Um, man, tips for for MAGFest. Uh, pace yourself. Um, wear deodorant. Wear deodorant. That's a good one. Please do. Although, you know what? MAGFest isn't nearly as bad. You know what the worst smelling con I've been to is? And it's so typical or, or stereotypical, I should say. Gen Con. Mm. The the convention where you expect all the the basement dwelling D and D folks, yes, and yes, it really does smell the worst. But anyway, and the, and, and the larpers, oh yeah, zombie LARP. LARP. You know you want a zombie larp. Um, I don't want a zombie larp at all. Uh, definitely, ch- there's a lot of good uh, content at Magfest. Um, there's a lot of great bands if you're into that. I I've only seen a couple <laughs> in the years that I've been there, <clears throat> uh, and great panels. Uh, I've submitted for a few, a couple panels there and also, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely check out the arcade, which I believe is open 24 hours a day. You have uh, pinball and arcade machines on free play. It's pretty awesome. So, uh, you know, which we need to yeah. uh, submit the, um, don't eat the hotel. Com- the, the Commodore debates Anita Sarkeesian on, uh, to PAX East panel. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll call, I'll call up Anita and see if she, if she see if she's up for it. Yeah, and the, well, the, the scary thing is they probably would accept it, but then she would totally not do that. Um, all right, I, I would be as friendly as Colbert. Let's see. So, uh, Sonic Rose, longtime friend of the program, Sonic Rose, misogynist, asks, "Are you excited about the Wii U Smash and its inclusion of Mewtwo?" Am I? Alternately, who's your favorite Smash character to play? Smash. 
First of all, I, I don't like the abbreviation of Smash Brothers is Smash. Can I just say that? <laughs> it seems to me like it's shallow, right? Okay. The real question is, when are you getting a Wii U already so we can play Smash? I know. It's so true. Come on. What am I going to do? I'll have to ask for it for Christmas. Maybe you Santa Claus will bring me one. Damn it. Get one. Um, uh, I, hey, I can also get one for my daughter. Yes. Who's two months old today. She'll start playing with it. That's fine. She's, she's totally into the Wii U. <laughs> you want to LARP with Anita Sarkeesian? What? Oh, God. That would be that would be even worse. That would be even worse than LARPing with people I don't know. Um, uh, yes, I'm super excited. Uh, ridiculously excited. Can't wait for it. Uh, I main Ness, but very close second with Peach. Nice. I, I, can, uh, I can attest to the fact that your Peach is deadly. Thank you. I had some, and, and you don't even have to misquote the Commodore to put that one down. <laughs> I had some, I had some epic Peach versus Sheik battles when uh, back in the melee days. So, good call, good yep. call. Um, I, I, I like Fox, and I, I've always liked Fox. I've liked Fox since the beginning. You right winger, I knew it. Yeah, I, I, I just love Fox. Oh wait, Fox, I, Fox McCloud, got it. Right, right, right. Fox McCloud, and uh, yeah. So I've, I've always I've always liked Fox. I don't know why. I think it's probably because I don't I employ the brute force method of Smash Brothers play, and Fox is the easiest to Fox and Roy, who is my second. Roy's your boy. Roy's my boy. Roy is the is the brute force method of, of playing Smash Brothers. Too bad Roy's not in Smash Four. I know it's 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 a terrible terrible truth. But, but you ha- you have like three other Fire Emblem characters to or not Fire Emblem uh, yeah Fire Emblem characters to choose from. So no four. I'll get it. I'll get over. You'll it. get over it. Um. Here we go. Uh, how about evil money money? Asks a question. I got that reference. Uh, question for the Commodore: Have you had Twenty First Amendment brews? They have a stellar IPA. You know, I don't know if I've seen it on the shelves, but I've never had one. I want. Are, are you are you an IPA fan? I hate IPAs. Yeah, I'm not an IPA guy either. I don't like super hoppy beers. Um, yeah, me either. I like stouts. I like porters. Stouts. Yeah, porters. I have to be in the right mood for them. Uh, and I like lagers. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I like almost everything but IPAs. Actually, uh, I don't like ales all that much normally. I like ales. They can be ales. good. I also like wheat beer. I like wheat beer a lot. I like Oktoberfests generally, um, but Twenty First Amendment. I think I've had their whatever their standard beer is. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think I was too impressed, but you know that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I also don't like Magic Hat. They always seem very hoppy, but whatever. Not not a Magic Hat fan. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Let's see. Um, Super Grubba asks: <laughs> Given an infinite budget and all access to current technology. What would your ideal video game be, and how would you play it? Holy crap. That's an open-ended question. It's a really open-ended question. Maybe we should just focus on what, we, what, what kind of technology we think the future of gaming kind of lends itself toward. How about that? Why don't you answer that question? Well, if you ask most video game journalists, uh, they have giant squeegees on for, uh, I don't know what that means, for uh, the Oculus Rift. I'm still yes. not sold on that. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's interesting technology, but you know, Connect is interesting technology too, and that's gone nowhere. Um, I I think there is. 
I think we're still looking for the, the, the perfect, the, the connect is a good idea, but the perfection of, of form of the connect would be so much better than anything else I could think about, right? Yeah. If, so I don't know why no one, I mean, PlayStation had is come the closest to this so far, but I always thought if I could just take the connect and ramp it up to what apparently the Xbox One's connect is capable of picking up, and then throw like another controller in, like an actual controller you hold in your hands, something physical. And it would allow you to utilize that in the game at the same time. So instead of just you being the controller, it's you have a controller and you can be the controller. That to me sounds like the, the, the best step forward. I, you can keep the Oculus Rift. I, I, you know, I just think being able to stand up and, and actually aim a gun in a first person shooter would be really cool. Well, if we have infinite technology and money and all that, I'm going to say the holodeck from Star Trek. Well, the holodeck. And, and and that's uh, and, and specifically that's, Reg Barkley's Goddess of Empathy program. I am the Goddess of Empathy. Uh, I, I I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, the, oh come on, that the, would be the ultimate video game experience, and you know it. It would be the ultimate video game experience. However, it would also be just like what we talked about. You know how all the new open world games have become Second Life. What what would the holodeck be besides Second Life? You just jump in. Better than look, First Life. Look exactly like first life, and you're kind of like, why am I doing this? And by the way, this is scary as hell, and I want to get out of here because most <laughs> most video games are scary as hell, and you would never want to play them if you were going to be in those situations in real it's okay, life. Okay, just make sure that the holodeck safeties are on. Yeah, well, uh, that is not going to change your mind. Perfectly fine. You know, when you get on a, an amusement park ride, that you're not probably not going to die, and that everything on it is fake. You're you'll, still scared. You'll you still fly die. around and go, oh my god, this is scary. You know, I mean, that's. It's the whole. It's the whole point. Broccoli. Um. Let's see. Iron Buddha eighty asks, "Hey, what are your thoughts on the game Hatred?" I don't know that game. <sighs> I don't know that game. I heard about it. There's some controversy about it, right? I. I, I don't, don't. I'm sorry. I haven't followed that one. I don't have a good yeah. answer for it. I haven't followed it either. I, I was. I was asking it because uh, I wanted to show that we are not pass. Yeah. <laughs> pass. <laughs> okay um let's see oh thank you for the the, the kind notes 88 boris who who loves the program and likes our in-depth look at games oh thank you uh and mark wants to talk about ruse ding dong okay what about it it's delicious and cream filled actually he's asking a, an, an even more inane question do you think vr including oculus rift will ever actually take off beyond just being a novelty well Apparently, Mark doesn't watch our shows because I think we've answered this question 500 times. Yeah. I'm still not sold on it to, to reiterate what like I said the other day. I, I, I don't yeah. understand why so many video game journalists are going ridiculously nuts for it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's very I interesting. They're reaching. Maybe they're reaching for video games to, to take the next step in evolution toward. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of promise in there, but I don't know if it's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. I'm not sold on it yet. I agree with that. I yeah. agree with all that. I, I don't think it's the next big thing, and I think, um, you know, will it ever take off beyond being a novelty? I mean, it, it certainly could, but I still feel like the limitations of, of VR are uh, pretty substantial. You know what I could see, though? And this is kudos to Facebook for seeing this, is I, I could see a, a better cinematic experience through something like an Oculus. 
Uh, I don't necessarily know that, that it's a better video game experience yet, but I think a good cinematic experience could be with something like an Oculus, where you actually put on an apparatus. It doesn't take a huge screen. You don't need a giant projector. Um, that could that could absolutely be a good use for it. But is it the, is it the future of gaming? I don't think so. Mm. No. No. All right. Um, all right. So let's see. Oh, here we go. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one for our last question here. That's about Earthbound, just to show that uh, that you yeah. love it. That they love it and I hate it. If you love it, why don't you marry it? Ooh. Uh, Pee Wee Herman. We should do a show about Pee Wee Herman. Oh, God. Iron Buddha 80 asks, if if they were going to make a new Earthbound game, how should they go about it? Make a sequel? Make a remake? Or reboot it? Excuse me. Um, not a remake. That's not really necessary. Um, Mark is revolting in the chat, by the way. He is pretty revolting. Um... Uh, a sequel, I think, would be the best way to do it. And I know that there is a fan fan version, fan sequel uh, of Mother 4 coming out uh, that looks pretty interesting. Uh, I think it's supposed to be out by the end of the year. So I would just take a look at that. And that might, that, that you know, from what I've seen online of it, that would probably be the way I would go next. You know, it's in the same style. Uh, of the other mother games but it's it's kind of a new story at least at least for the most part kind of like mother three mother three was really its own separate story but tangentially related to the previous games so i i can see that yeah Yeah, i'm all about it i I think in general games don't need uh a lot of rebooting um we talked about reboots before but you know it sounds like the prequel thing is is kind of uh it's kind of the thing to do these days you know what I read something today, speaking of prequels, was that um, the actual, the, the writer of the, of the, and the showrunner of the first, of the Sopranos, would actually consider doing a prequel series to the Sopranos. Really? That? Yeah. I would watch that. I've still never seen the Sopranos. And yet, I've seen like the last five minutes of the series. I thought it was good. Wow. This- <laughs> Um, I, I, I don't know what it would be like to go watch the first season of Sopranos now because it takes place pre nine eleven. Um, so it would be an interesting kind of that would wait experience. Yeah, uh, it was, was pre end post, right? Yeah, pre end post, long post, but long but, post, yeah. But oh, I think only one season was pre, maybe two, but because they actually had to change the the twin towers were in the intro. Oh, that's post. right. Yeah. Um, but it anyway, was, it was a good intro song too. Oh, it's great. What are you kidding me? It's like one of the whenever I hear the HBO noise to this day, I don't think Game of Thrones, I don't think Boardwalk Empire, you know, any of that stuff. Whoa. I think I immediately am ready for the Sopranos. You're getting way ahead of us because that doesn't start until. Yeah, that's why you need to read the books already. Read the the. Finish I'm not reading the rest of the books. I'm done, I'm done reading until the new season starts. Do it. Speaking of which, though, did you hear the rumor that 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 a that a uh, prequel to Game of Thrones, the show, has been greenlit? Really? Did you heard about this? How prequel? Like, uh, like exactly what I said when I first started watching the show, which was I really would just rather watch a show. Robert's Rebellion. About, about Robert's Rebellion. And apparently, that's what they want to do. Well, that'd be interesting. And George R. R. Martin has given a thumbs up uh didn't they sign on the rest of the cast for like uh through season seven or season eight or something like that i think it's season seven 
which is inter- and, it's going to be interesting because the books are certainly not going to be done by then. So I wonder how they're going to tie it all up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's crazy. Maybe they'll just take a hiatus until the books are done. I don't know. I don't think so. Do you think anybody ever thought the show would be this popular? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly. Everybody knows this stuff now. Um, all right. Well, anyway, we, uh, we we certainly had a good time today talking about uh, Grand Theft Auto, and 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 I think we will talk many, about many more games that changed the world. So thank you for indulging us with that topic. Um, you know, uh, and we are we're only about an hour and a half over here, and we only had one huge technical error. So I think we're doing pretty good. We're still only thirty minutes over our normal time. That's right. It was, Way to rein it in, Kami. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fill up the cloud with 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 these long podcasts. There will be no more cloud to, to consume. Ever. I don't even know what that means. Um, nobody does. Don't worry. So, um, yeah. So, so thank you for being a part of the show. When can the people find us next time? Well, they can find us in two weeks, Tommy. Uh, on Wednesday, November 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to have our 50th episode. Our 50th episode. I, I, that's hard enough to believe as it is. 50, 50, I didn't even... 50 episodes it's unbelievable i actually have a good idea for that we might well, maybe we'll have a special guest i don't even know we'll, we'll talk yeah, about it we'll figure see. it out we'll see. figure We've got it out a couple weeks we're gonna make it work it'll be a good one uh, folks put on your yeah, calendars and, and don't forget to to put on your speaking of putting on your calendar don't forget the the sixth annual claim of the gray wolf gaming marathon for charity uh with charity yet to be decided we'll probably have to have a conversation in a little while to, to figure that out but yes. december 12th uh, sure friday december 12th Make sure to put that on your calendar as well. Yes, and again, if you have any uh, anything that you would like to donate to the cause for us to give away for prizes, uh, feel free to contact at uh, cotgw.marathon at gmail.com. I like it, and I think we're going to get lots of good donations there. Um, yes, you can find me, as always, at It's the Commodore. Rue, where can the peoples find you? Uh, I would be at Rue underscore cotgw. And you can always find our other videos at clanofthegreywolf.com. Yes. For, for Rue, also, I am the Commodore. Also, we're a podcast. iTunes, and Stitcher, Android. Look it up, bitches. Com- comment, rate, subscribe. Sub for sub. Like. <laughs> like. Uh, Facebook. Dig. Dig it. Dig it. Uh, MySpace. Not even around anymore. Yeah, Positive MySpace. It, whatever that yep. was. Right. Yeah. Find us on Friendster. Google Plus. Um. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat. I'm going to mercy kill this podcast now. Thank uh, you. Yeah, for Rue, I am the Commodore from the Clan of the Gray Wolf. See you next time. And there is no reset button. A ding ding. Oh, God, I really have to pee. I got nothing.